this is Steve from Retroman Blog, and welcome to this little bonus edition of Retrosonic Podcast, um, where I'm going to have a little look back on some of the highlights of the year, of our, well, our musical year at least. And I'm in the company of Mr. Brett Buddy Ascot. Hello, Buddy, and Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> Save that for tonight, the New Year's <laughs> Eve party. <laughs> How are you? I'm fine, thank Thanks you. very much for letting me into your beautiful studio. I think you've overdone it with the Christmas decorations a bit. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, we've got to get into the, in the seasonal spirit of things, haven't we? Yes. Um, well, I thought, yeah, so we're just going to have a look around. I think if you've checked retromanblog.com, you'd have seen some of my little sort of lists. We do love a, a list, don't we? Yes, and, um, it's, the, it's the time of year for lists. Yeah, it certainly is, where I've compiled some of my favourite gigs, um, combinations, reissues and live albums, and, of course, best new albums of the year. So uh, I'm going to play a selection of... Uh, we're not going to play all of them, of course, but if you check retromanblog.com, you'll see all my lists of all my favourite records of the year. And we're going to pick a few out. And then Buddy's going to talk about his uh, an update on his autobiography, and um, we're going to discuss a few of the reissues along the way. So I thought I'd start off with um, a contender for my band of the year, or related offshoots or offspring. Offspring, <laughs> not the offspring. <laughs> no, no, certainly not. Um, and I'm going to go for the undertones, um, mainly because I saw them play two fantastic shows. Um, is that Bexhill? Bexhill, yeah. Dilla War Pavilion, which is the added bonus of being a beautiful Art Deco building. Yeah. Down yep. on the coast, on the south coast. And also at the Electric Ballroom in Camden, which I haven't been to for ages, and I used to love going there. And I forgot what a great venue it was. It's like it's not changed at all. It's one, luckily, it's one of those venues that hasn't changed. There aren't still 200 skinheads standing outside. <laughs> no. A lot of balding heads in there. 200 balding oh, heads. Different, you know, different, different kind of Different kind yeah. of skinhead, you know. But, oh, God, fantastic. And then you're just reminded of... Um, just how unbelievably great the undertones were, you know. I mean, song after... I mean, they played about 30 songs. It was like a Ramones yeah. show. I mean, they just bang them out. And so many great songs. Um, even Mickey Bradley at one point said, um, we've never played this so fast. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, we've never never played this song so fast. And um, that, that, it, it was just, just great to, to see that beautiful... I don't know what you could... It's just so uplifting, yeah, it's mute, live music at yeah. its best. You know, I mean, everyone was singing along. My perfect cousin hypnotized. You they know, imbue every crowd that mm. they play to with a sense of goodwill and mm. and fun. It's yeah. impossible to be po faced about them. Definitely, even if you balked at the idea that that singer's been there longer than Fergal. Yes, yeah, Paul, yeah. Paul McCall. Yeah, um, it, it does. Once they start playing, you just get blown away and taken. You know, you just get taken prisoner by them, mm, don't you, basically? Mm, mm. No, I think you're right. And I, I think, obviously, because the band is the same, all the members of the band are the same, so they sound fantastic. Yeah. And Paul McLoon's coming to his own as a, as a vocalist. I think he's just improved, you know, he's just getting better and better as a, as a singer and a vocalist with the undertones. And I think people have, have accepted him, you know, you don't hear about, oh, God, I wish Fergal was in a band anymore. Uh, and I just think they just... It's been a shitty year, really, hasn't it, for, for various reasons. And I think they... Oh, really? really? There's been nothing on the news, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but they provided, you know, a real sort of sense of optimism, you know, and um, just great. And we're going to talk a few more about why I've chosen the undertones, but I think just basically down Is it to the because I've just given you an undertones badge? Yes, so well, thank you. What a great present. You've given me an original 1978 undertones badge. 79. 79? Oh, well, my favourite year. Yeah, well, that's very kind of you. I do appreciate it. But I think for the undertones, um, yeah, of course you could pick all the classics, but they also released this year a compilation, um, Dig What You Need, which is a compilation of all the Paul McLoon era. Um, yeah, we talked releases. about that yeah, it's, previously, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's a great um, great compilation, which again really does show you that, that, that Paul's um, 
merits as a vocalist, you know, and, and yeah. also how how great their songs are. And they they throw a few new songs into the set, you know, and they don't they don't sound out, out of place at all, you know. And this was uh, one of my favourites from the album. This is the undertones from the Dig What You Need compilation, and this is Thrill Me. Wasn't it thrill me? I mean, it's got that fantastic energy. That it could be, be, it could be off hypnotized, it doesn't yeah. sound a day, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's wouldn't sound out of place, superb. I love the sound of that, of course. When the undertones split, you know, John and Damien went on to form that petrol emotion, ah, but not immediately, really. He formed a group called he formed a group called Eleven, I think it was Mickey and Damien. Oh. I'm not sure if John was in them, and the reason I know that is because I was in the group called Agent Orange. And we supported them at Dingwalls. Oh. And that would have been a year before that Petrol Emotion. Oh, right, OK. Well, that's interesting. Because yeah, the first is. time I saw that Petrol Emotion was at the Tunnel Club in Greenwich, yeah. which was an absolute carsey. I don't know yeah. if you ever went there. No, I didn't. It was in the middle of nowhere. You couldn't get there unless you drove. And um, it was pretty empty. Yeah. Before the, I think it was probably before the first single. It didn't really give any, any hint of glories to come. Well, that's interesting. Well, they skipped, they missed that out of the uh, our story of that petrol motion. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, I didn't, didn't mention that. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. Oh, so you were there. So you were involved. You were there pre that petrol motion. Then um, I think they only did one show. Yeah, eleven. Yeah. We'll have to check with. Or maybe they did that. eleven shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something then. Pop pickers, um, find out about eleven. Hmm. Interesting. So that brings us on to that petrol motion, and again, why the undertones and their related offspring are. Our band of the year is that that petrol emotion have this year released this superb box set which I'm holding in my hands. Um, believe me, I know it's an audio podcast, but it does look as fantastic as it sounds. It's a 
seven CDs in a beautiful box with a with a booklet. Really nice booklet with lots of um, lyrics, words, photos, um, memorabilia. Oh, it's, it's a great. Um, no mention of eleven. No. <laughs> no mention of the, the fact that you su- you supported them. Or did they support you? Which we, we supported eleven, oh. but not that picture in motion. Yeah. yeah. And it's said so it's a seven CD, and it collects all their albums, right up including the, the Final Flame live record, um, with lots of bonus tracks. And I'm glad to see amongst those bonus tracks is my favourite remix yeah. of all time. Yeah. The Andy Weatherall and Terry Farley mix of Abandon. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I'm not a big fan of remixes, especially in the, the 90s, the dance stuff, but this is one that really works. And yeah. I mean, it's superb. So, well, let's um, break up the chat, and let's, that's a good opportunity to, to stick that in while we go and hunt down yeah. some 11 uh, recordings. Cheers. This is the Boys Own Mix of um, Abandon.
Yeah, that's fantastic, isn't it? That's a track that's featured on this great new compilation called Every Beginning Has a Future, an anthology, 1984 to 1994. Petrol Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. Yeah, close, but uh, that's a nice bit of philosophy, that was. Is that, yeah, that I can't tell you where I got that from. No? no. Not from your autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> it's not original, believe me. <laughs> so that is one of my favourite... Well, it's my favourite remix from my favourite that Petrol Emotion album, even yeah. though I know Damien and some of the others, I think, have mixed feelings about the production now. Yeah. Scott Litt. Yeah. yeah. But I think we, we did talk on a previous show about albums that are 10 out of 10. Mm. And for me, that is a 9.9 out of 10. It's just the cover that let down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. I think it, it doesn't musically quite get there. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's not a duff track on it. Yeah, it's one of it's one of my favourite albums as well. I think you're right. I think, I, to be honest, I could have, I'd like to hear it remixed, maybe a bit rawer. And I think uh, I know some of the tracks when you hear them play live, they're a bit a bit rougher. I think. Well, on that abandoned track, you can hear the component parts. They're yeah, all yeah. In, in all their rawness and the vocal, which is sort of yeah. bare and sounds fantastic. I think. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. I think it does um, does just slightly let the cover is a little bit. <laughs> it does let it down. Doesn't doesn't quite get the ten out of ten for me either. Unfortunately, but um, in terms of the as an album, it is superb. And I got actually picked up a copy on vinyl recently, and it does sound really good on vinyl. I must yeah. admit, you know, it's uh, um, the one record I really want to get on vinyl, which they haven't re-released, is is Fireproof, um, which I love. That was self-produced, wasn't yeah, it? yeah. That was their final studio album, which they did a, a great um, Q and A session online. Um, with a journalist, uh, John Harris, who also does liner notes for the booklet. Um, and it was really interesting because it's got Steve Mack, Damien, Brendan and Kieran talking about the album. And um, uh, Raymond, obviously, as well, talking. So it's all of them talking about um, background about each album. And they've done a few of these over the past sort of year or so, especially over lockdown. And they're really interesting. It's really good to get their take on it. And like, as I said, like you said, talking about the production and things that they might regret and what they might have done differently. And, and um, can we listen to those? Because I didn't manage to get in to any of those oh, chat rooms while it was happening. Is it possible to access them now? I don't know if they've recorded... I, th- I don't know, it's a good question. I have to check, and if I do, I will definitely put links at retromanblog.com. Yeah, great record, great band. Um, one of those groundbreaking bands that, that sort of... You, you really want to make it, and they're ahead of their time. And although they had a sort of, I suppose, a little bit of commercial success, they never really got the acclaim that they... No. ...that they deserved. No. Which we've talked about a lot. Well, they, I think they got the claim, acclaim critically, but not yeah, commercially. yeah. 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 Um, I saw them at Clapham Grand, not the one that's recorded in this box set. Yeah, and it's one of the best shows I've ever been to. Yeah, I saw them. I saw them as well a couple of times. The Clapham I saw them first. Yeah, did you? I was there. I we were probably there at the same show, the Clapham Grand. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were there. Again, more undertones related material. We did see. It's the Damien O'Neill show. It is. You know, I, mean, I haven't done enough podcasts with Damien recently, but um, Damien also this year released a superb solo album. Yeah. All instrumental. I know he does a lot of. He's done sort of ambient work in the past and worked with um, Five Billion in Diamonds, which is a super group formed by James Grillo, Andy Jenkson, legendary producer and drummer Butch Vig. Um, they did this great. Uh, it's all garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I know, often. Um, Five Billion in Diamonds. They've just released their album, second album, on uh, on vinyl, which is which is worth getting. And Damien contributes guitar to that. Um, but yeah, a great solo album and Crown, which is available. And Crown, very yeah, available. <laughs> it has to be said with an Irish. Yes, that's right. Maybe not mine, but yeah. somebody's. <laughs> it's been released on beautiful um, blue vinyl by uh, Dimple Discs Records. Uh, it's 
interesting because when I saw Damien last, he said, I'm a bit worried about what undertones fans might think about it because it's not exactly punk rock, but it's superb. It's um, all instrumental, but it's more like well, a sort of soundtrack music rather There's than... There's a few hey hey's on there. A few bit of vocals, um, yeah, backing vocals. But, not singing as such, but vocalising. But it's definitely one of our albums of the year. Um, great record, and it's... Here's a track from it. This is the opening track, Mass on Menos. Uh, this is Damien O'Neill, and this is from the album Anne Cram.
I stand by my earlier statement that that would make a perfect uh, soundtrack or opening song to a Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, a lot, a lot of the songs on the album are like that. You know, yeah. they fit into sort of like a lot of noir mystery stuff. You know, um, but it's a great record. And that's actually been uh, the song's been talking about remixes. I've heard a great remix. Um, I've had a sneak preview of a, a remix that. Uh, Lionel from the Limonanas has done for Damien. Uh, Damien's a big fan of Limonanas, and I put them in touch, um, which I'm very proud of, I must admit. Two of my favourite artists. Hang and, on, um, I'm going to blow your own trumpet. <laughs> 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 Sorry, but I have to say. Because <laughs> the fact of them working together is, is just like a dream. And um, So hopefully, sometime soon, we'll have a, have a Lionel Limonana remix of that, and uh, whether he's going to be released on a standalone single or what have you, but um, hopefully we'll keep you... Up to date on on that. Um, right, have we covered him now? Have we covered Damien? Is that it? We've just done. Well, uh, pretty much sort of. So we've had the undertones. We've had that Petra Motion. We've had Damien Solo. We've had five billion in diamonds, and another highlight of my year. <laughs> Future was was going on <laughs> holiday with Damien over <laughs> Yeah, but we were seeing the, um, the Baby Shakes at uh, the Lexington, one of oh. my favourite power pop bands, and um, of course they had a great single. Um, Sweet and Sour, which was produced by Damien and, and Billy Doherty, and it was a, a cover of one of Damien's solo songs. And on the B side, they had a version of Really, Billy Really, Billy Stern, song. is it? Really, Really, they did. Oh, really, really. So I got to see Baby Shakes um, finally at Lexington, and Billy and Damien were there, and they got on stage and, of course, did a cover of Teenage Kicks. And I've. Brilliant. Who would be desperate enough to do that? Well, fantastic. Who <laughs> would do it? But it was, it was great to see them um, together. And, and I said, there's a video of that up on the Retro Man Blog uh, YouTube channel. So, yeah, there we go. What can I say? Undertones, my band of the year. And I got to meet, and I got to meet Mickey finally. All in all, um, a bit of self-indulgence there. Undertones, <laughs> my, <laughs> I wish my you band a, of the year. <laughs> I wish you a dairy Christmas. <laughs> Thank you very much. Great stuff. So, buddy, what's next? What have you been up to this year? Tell us some of your highlights. Uh, I haven't actually been consuming much because I've been producing things. Um, mm. And um, so The Fallen Leaves will be finally releasing a new studio album next year. I'd say it's probably two-thirds finished. The backing tracks were put down one of the hottest weekends of the summer. Uh, I think they've been back a couple of times to do guitars. There's some vocals to do. And then there's the mixing, but um, yeah. hopefully we'll get in the queue for the vinyl shortly and maybe looking at a summer release. All oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. It takes a while for the vinyl to get out, doesn't it? Any title? Any sort of. Um, uh, there's a few suggestions, but I probably better keep those to myself yeah. for now. Any sneak previews? Have we got a track we can play? Do you think? Yeah, there is something on out there. So uh, you can play this. This is a song called Rosalina or Rosalina. Uh, it was written with the late Don Crane in mind mm. in fact it's probably it's not the last songs written for the album but almost um, D- Don passed away in March we played with him at the 100 Club in February I think Yeah. so it was the last show he ever played and then and I think Don passed away um, shortly after maybe six weeks after that show that was his last show ever so Rob and Rob wrote a song it's a bit of a, an homage to the Downliners set, uh, I think they were trying to get that sound. It was pretty quickly written, rehearsed, arranged and recorded in the summer. Uh, but one of the first times we played it, uh, Gareth, Gareth the Beast recorded it on a, on a quite a good setup. So we've, there's a demo 
it's not a demo, it's just a rehearsal. Yeah. He stuck some backing vocals on it and it sounds pretty good. So this is Rosalina. Let's hear it. Fall on knees, sneak preview and Rosalina. Hey Rosalina great track Fallen Leaves and Rosalina from their forthcoming album um, which we look forward to with Bated Breath and of course I heard you play that live at the Dublin Castle which was a great show that was a great show and I don't know where all those people came from no. suddenly it went from yeah. nothing to packed it was and, um, and a lot of those people had never seen us before yeah. and it was just word of mouth and it was a terrific night yeah really good but you say that but I mean there was also a lot of familiar faces for me there because it was yeah. like going back to the the 12 bar days it was all the, the gang from the old 12 yeah. bar no, that was... Fallen these used to do their minimum R&B residency um, I loved it because it was just like it was just like going back in yeah. in time to pre-pandemic the good old days of the 12 bar the much missed 12 bar um, really great show and nice to be there in the Dublin Castle but we're, all... back, we're back there twice next year oh good yeah oh that's check website for dates yeah definitely we'll, we'll obviously plug that uh, plug the dates yeah one of my highlights of the year one of my best uh, gigs of, of 2022 was actually the Downliner sect um, at Half Moon Putney with um, you Fauna Leaves supporting and the Masonics uh, as a sort of like a tribute to Don Crane the charity fundraiser which was a great matinee show um, definitely a, a highlight of the year for me it was a, it was a it great was, a great atmosphere it was very strange playing the breakfast slot 
if you like. Yeah, yeah. It was going like, on a, a matinee. Uh, was it two o'clock? We were yeah, on? yeah, yeah. Really yeah. strange time to go on. Yeah, because it's pitch black in there. Yeah, and you, it feels like an evening show. Yeah, and then you come out, and it's you know, it's it's bright sunshine and people in the beer garden, and um, yeah. Yeah. and then you go back in, and you're plunged back into an evening yeah. kind of feeling. It's it was yeah. just odd. No, you're right. But yeah, it was a good night. No, it was a, it was a great night. Um, and while I'm on the subject of, of gigs of the year, um, I went down to Rochester. Uh, to catch one of the, the four nights, the four sold-out nights of, of the Prisoners reunion, the original lineup of the Prisoners, so Graham Day, James Taylor, Johnny Simons, and Alan Crockford, and they got um, back for, let's say, these, these four sold-out shows, um, to sort of um, to celebrate the 40th anniversary of their debut album. 40 years. Oh God, I can just remember, like, yesterday being at the, the Clarendon. and I particularly like the fact, although I couldn't go to any of the shows, I particularly like the fact that they decided to do four in a smaller venue than yeah. one in a bigger venue. Yes. Uh, yeah. And and so when groups play the O2 or Hammersmith and then they just moan about the, the gap between the stage and the yeah. crowd, that's yeah. down to them because yeah. yes. they didn't have to play there. Yeah. They make those decisions. And I, I, I think it's really, um, it's, it's a really great thing for the fans that they did that. Yeah, well, it's a good point, actually, because in a way you're thinking, for the fans, no, it wasn't a good thing, because it's Rochester, and it's like, why can't they play in London? Well, if you live in Rochester, it's local. (laughs) That's right, but it's their hometown, the Medway, Um, and the Royal Function Rooms, uh, great, it's a good venue, Um, and initially announced one night, then that sold out, they announced a Saturday night, that sold out, and they did... And they ended up having four sold-out shows. But they and could have did. they could have cancelled those and done one. Yes, yes. At, um, yeah, but I think judging two, from two, what, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, but judging from the comments, I think they, that was the plan. That's the only they they only did that. That's the, one of the stipulations of them doing the reunion was it was going to be in Rochester. Yeah. Um, and I think it worked because you got such a fantastic atmosphere. Um, super. Oh God, it was great. I mean, they sounded so good. I've seen so videos that looks and sounds amazing. Yeah, it does. And um, again, loads of videos up on the YouTube Retroman Blog YouTube channel. It was, uh, as you know, we've worked closely with Grand Day and Alan with Galileo Seven over the past few years since the blog started. But it was a dream to see the prisoners back. Um, it went down so well. I can imagine that they would probably consider a few more shows in the future. I, I can't see why not. You know, it just went down so well. Um, and I said 40 years of A Taste of Pink the debut album Um, so I'm going to pick Better in Black Like we do, eating people, talk along. 
That's fantastic. That's Better in Black from A Taste of Pink. By The Prisoners. Terrific. Raw. I saw yeah. them in 84 yeah. at the venue. Um, Eleanor Crockford, Alan's sister, contacted me and asked if I had any recollections for the book that's coming yeah. out. And I did check my diary. And I don't mention anything. But it was a it, it was a great bill. It was uh, the prisoners, the plain Jane, and the stingrays. Yeah, great. I don't really remember much about the evening at all, so I must have had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> well, plain Jane, they, that was uh, one of my favourite bands as well. And they, that one of my singles of the year was the plain Jane reissued um, two tracks um, by Circle Records, which was a fantastic find. I, I can believe it. Two brand well, brand new to me, although they're thirty seven years old. Two new Plain Jane tracks resurfaced. A great band. But The Prisoners, yeah, um, God, let's just hope that they, they do some more shows. And then I said, the, you mentioned the book. There is a book um, coming out um, soon, which we'll uh, feature on retromanblog.com. We'll put a link in this, uh, the, the, the feature to the podcast as well. So look out for the book. I think it's more fans' recollections as well of yeah. um, what they thought of The Prisoners. Um, unfortunately, I was the same. I was asked to contribute to it, but to be honest, I couldn't really remember much. It must have, must have been the Times, I reckon. You, I, I wasn't with you that night, was I? <laughs> no, I probably wasn't. But, you know, I mean, God, seeing uh, prisoners at the Clarendon, and uh, I remember seeing them support the Ramones one at, um, at uh, Hammersmith Palais, Lyceum, Hammersmith Palais. Um, All these times. places that have gone. I know. <laughs> Isn't it really sad? I know. All these venues? Well, yeah, 12 bar, you know. God, you see, you see the, the, the actually the Royal Function Room is closing down in Rochester, which also houses Ransom Studios. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Uh, it's terrible. How can they let that go? How can they let that happen? It's just BBC a, it's closing Made of Ale. Yeah, Made of Ale Studios, yeah. Oh, God. Well, while we're on a bit of a downer, you know, Happy New Year to you, mate, as well. Um, but you're talking about losing venues, but also lost, uh, lost a lot of... Um, Superb musicians this year, didn't we? It's um, it's been, it's been pretty sad, you know. Uh, I mean, Wilco especially yeah. hit me hard because yeah. I saw Doctor Feelgood in '75 at Hammersmith right. when right. they were Doctor Feelgood. Yeah, and um, <laughs> yeah. I was just mesmerised by him. Mm. Him and Brillo, what a fantastic yeah. <laughs> front pairing! They're just unbelievable. In fact, in a lot of ways, they overshadowed the rhythm section. Yes, yes. And I felt I didn't really appreciate them until years later. And if you listen, I think Malpractice is their best album. Yes, yeah. the, the bass and drums are incredible. Mm. And that gives Wilco the basis to do what he does, which is beyond compare. Yeah. I mean, I know Weller nicked a lot of stuff of him, or tried to. I don't, I don't think anyone could play like him. Well, they influenced a lot of the, the, the New York punk bands, didn't they? Because yeah. they were sort of pre, pre-punk, so they, they influenced a lot of bands. You know, well, the CBGB's crowd all seemed to say that that was uh, the Dr. Feelgood were one of the bands to go to, you know. Um, they said the jam. I mean, that um, was... A, the, if you look at what was in Melody Maker in 1975, mm. it's Van de Graaff Generator and yeah. Pentangle <laughs> and Stackridge <laughs> and uh, the Edgar Broughton Band. And it's like... <laughs> Where have these people come from? It's like yeah. they've come from a, a UFO. Yeah. And um, if it wasn't for the flares, they'd be just about perfect, wouldn't they? Yeah. And I saw Solid Senders when he left yes. Dr. Yeah. Feelgood. I saw yeah. Solid Senders and then I saw him with the blockheads. Yeah. So he's been there like a constant. Yeah, no, he's a real, real sad loss. Yeah. So tell us your, your favourite Dr. Feelgood song. That would be of malpractice and it would be. Watch your step. 
great stuff. Um, we were talking earlier about um, talking about bands like Doctor Feelgood, who sort of predated the the punk thing. Uh, it was certainly the, the the London punk, the, the Pistols, were, were the Saints, and of course Chris Bailey passed away. And the Saints were were superb. I mean, they're they're stranded. If you think about it, it's hard to believe that that single came out before. The Sex Pistols records came out before New Rose, I think. Yeah, I had the, I didn't have it on the original label because it got reissued. Was it Power Plant or something records? And I had it and I played it non-stop. And um, unfortunately, I would destroy school parties by putting that on because no one else, <laughs> just me and Rick Adams, would be jumping around and yeah. everyone else would be looking at us like we were crazy. <laughs> but just so earthy, exciting, and uh, yeah. primitive. Primal yeah. is a word, not primitive. So they, they were doing this in Australia, completely away from all yeah. New York, London, all that, and it was just unbelievable that they that they were producing this at the time. And and when he died, there was some footage on on uh, Facebook and YouTube which I'd never seen before. Mm. Incredible! I mean, really visceral live performance. Yeah, he yeah. just jumps off the stage at one point, yeah. Yeah. And starts sort of uh, prowling around the audience, yeah. then sits on the edge of the stage and finishes the song, <laughs> like it's just. Like a rehearsal, yeah. Oh, it's true. And but we both went for um, we, we both chose the same song, uh, favorite same yeah. song. Yeah. Not I'm stranded, but uh, we both went for know your product.
was a fantastic time, the sound of the Saints and Know Your Products. And I guess another sad loss, especially for me as a huge Stranglers fan, was um, Jet Black. Really sad uh, sad news. Obviously retired from playing live for some, some years now, but um, vital part of the Stranglers story, him and his um, ice cream van. Al One of the things that really stuck with me at the, at the time was the, the, his age when they took yes. off. yeah, yeah. 44? Yeah, Is that right? Well, yeah, I guess so, yeah. He was always, they were always an older band anyway. No, I know, but that's incredible. Yeah. And um, <laughs> because, you know, it's pretty energetic drumming and he's playing yeah. hot, sweaty venues. So respect oh. to him for, for doing that. Yeah. And also yeah. not giving up before they made it because to be driving an ice cream van and rehearsing yeah. and getting up and going to work, I mean, it shows uh, dedication. Oh, definitely. And, and he's a very underrated drummer because um, I know when you, if you think about the Stranglers, you, you think about JJ's bass and Dave Greenfield's organ, you know, which is going all over the place. So yeah, the, the, the drums were obviously had to take a slightly back seat because of... Mix-wise, I think, and production-wise, they were never to the fore. Yeah. Uh, even on Dutch, someone like Duchess or um, mm. Who Wants the World, mm. the drums are not driving it. You're right, mm. it's the bass and the keyboards and the, yeah. and the vocal. But it always was, wasn't it? But if you listen to sort of, um, particularly um, Black and White, the time signatures on some of the Stranglers records, or even hits like, um, you know, Nice and Sleazy off the top of my head, you know, the, the, the drumming is, you, you know, you can't get your head around it sometimes. The, the time signatures, and, yeah. and the, the, especially the sort of more avant-garde stuff they did with Black and White, you know, that sort of crowd rock stuff, and the, the, the reggae, the sort of trying to sell these twisted reggae rhythms, and, oh, God, you know, you know I don't think he got hardly any credit as a, as a drummer. He was always... Uh, Solid drummer, they people who say, didn't they? Solid drummer, Jet Black. But um, superb drummer, great character. And I, I saw the band twice this year. Um, again, two of my gigs of the year. I saw them with, with Rutz DC supporting great, great shows. And JJ's obviously now the only original member, but they still sound fantastic. So um, You've some way to go to catch up with my friend Owen, Owen Carnes, who yeah. I've met through... Uh, he does the Vapors merchandise on tour oh, yeah. with Mike. And... Um, I think he's coming up to his 500th Stranglers gig. Oh, wow. And he wants that to be a special one. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know if he's decided yet, but he goes all around the world yeah. seeing them. 500. What, doing the merchandise or actually? No, 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 he's just, he's as a punter, yeah. Wow, 500, I can't say, I mean, I've seen them a lot, but I can't quite <laughs> no, go to 500. You know. That's an uber fan. Yeah. And I don't mean a fan of taxis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I also saw Hugh Cornwall supporting the Undertones twice this year, so no. it's been a good Stranglers year. They re-released... Um, Sweet 16, which was the album that got me back into the band after Baz Warren took over lead vocals and re-energised the whole fan base again to get back into the Strangler. So they re-released that um, on vinyl this year. Then they released a great live album, The Men in Black in Tokyo. It's a great, great record. Um, so again, they feature highly in my best of 2022. But um, we're going to go back. And you've chosen your favourite Strangler song to pay tribute to Jet. Well, there's, there's, there's the two outstanding songs for me, yeah. and I've probably got the first five or six albums, and then I sort of lost touch when Hugh left. Mm. Um, Something Better Change, I think, is a fantastic record. Oh, but yeah, um, yeah. from the first album, I just love, I still love Hanging Around. Yeah. I remember the video, it was shot at the Hope and Anchor. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing it, I think, on the old Grey Whistle Test, 77. Yeah. And I, I just, just blew me away. Well, let's play it. Yeah, let's play The Stranglers and Hanging Around. Hanging around. 
That still sounds so fresh, doesn't it? That's uh, Hanging Around by the Stranglers. One of the best intros to any song, I reckon. It's, uh, it's superb. Terrific. Great track. And uh, yeah, sad news about Jet Black. I so, thought um, when they started, or when I first heard them, it sort of fitted into a theory I had about the 70s repeating the 60s. So they were like the Doors. Everyone said they were always name-checked to the Doors yeah, um, yeah. In, in reviews. And so I, it got me thinking, so that makes the Sex Pistols the Beatles. Yeah. And then the Clash of the Rolling Stones. And they did very nearly turned into them. And um, so the Jam of the Who. Yeah. And then, <laughs> stay with me on this. Okay. And then, and so then... The buzz or buzzcocks are the kinks, yeah. you know, sort of short, short, sharp. short, sharp love songs. Yeah. Um, didn't really get any much further on that. Who would have been the small faces then? Oh, oh, oh! Think about that. We'll leave that one for you to decide. Yeah, okay. So let the yeah. Uh, let the listener decide and write in. Yeah, but as the Clash said, no Elvis Beatles or Rolling Stones. In 1977. You don't want to do that. So, yeah, I'm just looking at uh, a list of some of the musicians that passed away. Obviously, the shock was Martin Duffy of Felt and Primal Screen, that mm. was a bit of a shock. Jerry Lee Lewis, um, Ronnie Spector, who I, we spoke about in a previous podcast with Paul Slattery, the, my mate rock photographer. Um, there's a great photo of Paul at the front of the stage. I think it was at the venue, actually, in Victoria. He's photographing Ronnie Spector. And um, she kissed him. There's a picture of her bending over and kissing him. And wow. another photographer has captured that moment on wow. stage, brilliant! You know, what a great photo. Yeah, so he talks about that in a in a, in a podcast, and uh, we uh, uh, I put a fo- I put a copy of the photo up on on retromanblog.com. It's a great moment, really captured well. That yeah, was, that was a good venue. The venue, yeah, I don't love know, that. I don't think I must have gone there. I oh, know. I lived in it for for a couple of years because yeah. we we knew the lady on the um on the on the door. Yeah, Barbara. She used to work at the Townhouse Recording Studios yeah. uh, as the chef. And she used to make us... I've never had a BLT before. <laughs> and uh, she used to knock these up. This is when we were recording uh, in my street single in 1980. And the jam were in the other studio making sound effects. And then she moved to the venue. So it's it's good to be... It's, it's It pays to be nice to people. Yeah. <laughs> we just walked in there whenever we wanted, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah it must be nice to be a celebrity. You know? <laughs> a freeloader. A freeloading ligger. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I said I went for the Undertones as my band of the year, but um, it's a close run thing. I could have gone for Mick Head or Michael Head from um, Shaq and the Pale Fountains and obviously his new outfit to the Red Elastic Band, who had a fantastic year, probably one of his most productive <laughs> for ages. I mean, it's just been great whirlwind. You know, he's been doing some fantastic shows. I saw him three times, ranging from the little semi-acoustic show in the, the Heavenly Social, the um, tiny basement menu, Um to the church, St Pancras Old Church, lovely church show, fantastic show there, right up to Shepherd's Bush Empire. So in the year, I saw three great shows. And of course he was uh, busy promoting his fantastic album, Dear Scott, which has been rightly lauded and I think been given um, album of the year in all the sort of top music publications and, and it's well deserved. It's a fantastic record that sort of sums up probably all the, the best of all the parts of his career. Faultless album, one of those... Um, 10 out of 10 records, you know, their production. Does that include the cover? Cover's great. Photo by John Johnson, great photographer. Sound produced by Bill Ryder-Jones and Nat Lawrence, who's the guitarist in his band. Bill Ryder-Jones from the Coral. The sound is great. It's orchestral. Oh, it's just just brilliant. I don't think Mick's um, have done anything better than this. What's the best track? Well, it's difficult to choose because, like I said, it's a 10 out of 10. 
10 singles, as they say, not <laughs> off. Trade, not off. Um, but I think I'm going to go for the probably the first single off the album. Um, <laughs> this is uh, Kismet. of the year Dear Scott by Michael Head and the Red Elastic Band and that was Kismet reminds me a little bit of I Am Clute I think they're maybe from the same vicinity are they I don't know actually I don't know that band I'd have to check that yeah if they're good enough for you mate and they sound like Michael Head they're good enough for me so tell us about your gig at Port Merion with the Vapours um, in, in the village how did it go well it's a long drive 
<laughs> it's a long journey there. I think it was six hours, almost non-stop. Beautiful, the last couple of hours across yeah, the mountains. Nice. Is it Be- the Brecon Beacons? Yeah, lovely area. Into Snowdonia? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about the first bit of that geography lesson, but it's definitely into, through Snowdonia. And um, a very warm welcome from Murik, mm-hmm. who's a lovely man. Uh, made me feel like family. He was so welcoming, yeah. absolutely brilliant. As soon as we got there, he offered to just drive us around give us a private tour, really, really welcoming and uh, knows his stuff as well. And we played the Friday night. Um, It's a little bit strange, it's quite a small hall. Uh, And although it was the end of November in Wales, it was not a cold weekend, but the central heating was on full in this venue. (laughs) And I nearly died after four songs, it was (laughs) so hot. And the same with the vapours the next night. People couldn't go in the room, it was too hot. Oh, really? I, I walked around turning radiators down like angry dad. You know, <laughs> turn that thermostat down. And it was still too hot, it was crazy. But we had, um, there was a display of memorabilia. Mm. So there was uh, cords, Purple Hearts, Long Tall Shorty mm. memorabilia next to the vapours uh, memorabilia. Yeah. So that was a nice little thing for people to look at. Yeah, it was a great weekend. Mm. It's, a, it's an amazing place to go for the first time. Yeah, I, I will return. Yeah, I love it. It's I love the prisoner, and um, it's, a, it's a it's a beautiful place, isn't it? In its own right, you know. Regardless, if you take away the fact that it's this cult location now, yeah, in a TV show, but um, obviously the vapors. And, it's um, unique in in, yeah. in every way, and um, I was very grateful that we got to play there. And it seems that that's going to be the last seventy ers gig, yeah, ever. Oh, Simon has left. Yeah, uh, I don't think we'll go on. Yeah, yeah, I can't see us getting another guitarist from that period. So the whole shtick, if you like, was yeah. pure nostalgia. Yeah, and um, I mean, if, if somebody did come forward and say, "Well, I can do that, and we could do this," then mm. we'd definitely consider it. But um, maybe that has yeah. just come to its natural conclusion. Yeah, maybe get the fallen leaves on the building for the next. Because I think they're going to do this again, aren't they, in Port Marion? I think they seem. I to... think that might have been the last time. Oh, okay. but but don't yeah. quote me on that. Although yeah. you will. Um, uh, it's a long way to go. It's a long way to drag two hundred people yeah, yeah. Um, for a, for a pre Christmas weekend. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, but it's good because the prisoners were um, named after the prisoner, the vapor song, not just the prisoner TV show. I know it? that. They, they were, I know they were, that they were big fans. Of yeah, them. yeah. So this has gone full it's circle now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but that's great. Uh, oh, hopefully you'll um, get back to play there again. I think it's. I'd love to see. I didn't make it because I was away, but I'd love to see a band playing the, in the village in Port Marion. So you've been busy doing uh, some more writing on your autobiography. Well, my wife's been away for nearly a month, so I've had a lot of free time. And the problem is, do you remember when we went to see Miles Hunt talking about him writing his memoir? Yeah. Do you remember what he said? He was so engrossed in it. Yeah. That. If there was a knock at the door, sometimes he would look up or open the door and he'd expect to see his ex-wife because he was so in the moment of writing. Yeah, That's sure. what happens when I'm doing this stuff. I'm so engrossed. Yeah. Diaries, photographs, uh, thoughts and memories and putting it down on paper. You go into this kind of dark hole. Mm. It's not always uh, negative. You know, there's, there's good things as well, but... Um, you need time and you need space to do it. It's not something you can just dip in and out of, I think. Yeah. Well, you've done a reading in a po- previous podcast um, and you've got another another sort of updated section for us. So tell us a little bit about um, what we're going to hear next. Well, this is... Uh, the context for this is that 
the Chords had signed to Jimmy Percy's JP Productions label. I don't even think we got any legal advice. We'd gone in on April the 2nd, made a demo, made the single two days later, and that was going to be the first single out of the Mod Revival. Mm. Um, It didn't pan out that way, because we played a show with the undertones. Oh, more undertones. More undertones in Guildford um, as part of a tour that we did supporting them. Their first UK tour, our first UK tour. Yeah. Uh, Nine idiots basically on the road having a good time until we got to Guildford. Don't you know who I fucking am? Are you saying no to me? Jimmy Percy's face is a florid mask of incredulous disbelief. Moments earlier, he'd suggested that he get up on stage with the undertones for the inevitable encore of the evening. We can do ballstool breakout together. You lads must know that, eh? There had been stifled, nervous laughter, but little eye contact, as Martin Cole, the Tones' road manager, had politely, but firmly, turned down Percy's generous offer. No, not really, Jimmy. It's the Bobby's show, and maybe tonight isn't right. Perhaps another time? Martin is a calming, beautiful man who has made the tour thus far a dream for both groups. Percy looks around the room for support, for validation, but this isn't his show, nor his dressing room. The Cords, jubilant from our support slot, join the undertones in a floor-staring contest that will last until he finally leaves the room, all slamming doors and muttered threats. Awkward doesn't begin to describe it. Sorry about that, begins Billy Hassett. But the Derry lads shush him and say they understand and it's okay. Armed with post-gig beers, I go out onto the balcony which runs along the length of the cavernous hall and join an already pissed Debbie, Sharon, Jim and Fred Long and others who made the trip down from London. From there we have a perfect view of the undertones on stage, the crowd, the whole vista. The crowd are leaping up and down en masse. It looks very much like the Lyceum show a week earlier. It is simply joyous to be here. The heaving crowd seem to already know every word of every song from their debut album, released only days before. About two-thirds of the way through the gig, a commotion to my left catches my eye. I can see Percy at the rear of the hall with what can only be described as a small army of punks and, more ominously, local skinheads. Steve Jones and Paul Cook are also there. I haven't seen those two since they came to see the bombshells rehearsed last summer but there have been rumours of a new supergroup with them joining Percy as the sham pistols, for fuck's sake. At this moment, I don't know what is going to happen, but my instinct is that they are not coming in just to sing along. Just two nights earlier in Oxford, skinheads had invaded the stage during the encore and brought proceedings to a halt, leaving Fergal in tears of frustration. Now, as they make their way along the far side of the hall, shoving people out of the way, Making a beeline for the stage, I can't take my gaze from them. It's almost happening in slow motion, like a nightmare. Then it becomes a nightmare. Led by Jones, they swat away the bouncers at the side of the stage and encroach on the still-performing undertones. For a moment, Percy and the others look almost embarrassed, as if now they're up here they don't know what to do with themselves. The undertones play on, glancing nervously at each other and the road crew. Then Jones flicks a few V's and wanker signs at the band, which the Skinners take as a signal to disrupt and destroy. The music stutters to a halt as, one by one, the group give up in despair. There are now 50 or 60 invaders in amongst the group. Amps are booted over, Jones forces his way behind the drum kit and starts playing. Mike stands go flying. 
Cook stands at the side of the stage, understandably jeering at Jones's feeble efforts, but otherwise remains quite aloof. As the undertones finally realise the gig is well and truly up, a lighting rig comes crashing down, narrowly missing bassist Mickey Bradley. It would have killed him. The show is abandoned as the tones flee the stage and an astonished crowd watch the rioters dance around in triumph. I share their astonishment, but I also feel the most profound anger, shame and embarrassment. It is a grotesque situation. I turn to Martin and Chris and I say, if we can't get off that cunt's label, I'm leaving the group. We can't work with him ever again. The onstage mob quickly melt away as flashing blue lights herald the arrival of the police. The whole episode has lasted just four or five minutes, but left utter chaos, fear and panic. Nobody is arrested, nobody is held accountable. Yet it could have been even worse. Billy's Ma and Da, Peggy and Big Billy, had attended the show with the very urgent need to bring fresh underwear to their son in need. You can never have too many pants, especially on tour. <laughs> the music too loud for their ears, Billy had stayed with them to watch the undertone set from behind the stage. They had seen, up close, the unfolding carnage, and as the band fled the stage, taken up guard duty, one on each door of the dressing room behind the stage. Unbeknown to those of us on the balcony, the skinheads had tried to follow the undertones. God only knows what might have happened if they'd got in. But Peggy and Big Bill stood firm, repelling the hordes with a mighty feck off! Our driver, Gov, though a skinhead himself, stayed loyal to the calls and helped keep the doors shut. Just as crucially, Little Billy and the road crew took turns to reclaim the instruments, take symbols away from the clearly paralytic Jones, and most importantly, salvage the expensive microphones. The show would go on at Bristol Locarno the following night, but I was adamant that we'd either tear up the contract with Percy or I'd leave. Wow, fantastic. That's pretty uh, hard-hitting stuff, isn't it? Because I don't think a lot of people now realise that how dangerous the gigs were. We've spoken about this before, haven't we, uh, that at the time, how many shows were ruined by fighting, um, invasions, stage invasions? Well, I was only joking about the... Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't only joking about the skinheads at the Electric Ballroom. Yeah. I mean, I used to hate going there. I yeah. hated playing there. Yeah, because that was their territory, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, everywhere was their territory then. Yeah. Well, it's great stuff. Um, so you've been busy, sort of scribbling away. And when when do we expect to see something actually published? I think before um, twenty thirty. Um, <laughs> the problem is that I go back and I start reading what I wrote the day before, and then I just spend an hour correcting one sentence. Yeah, yeah. I want every sentence to count. Yeah, and I want yeah. I want it to be accessible to as many people as possible. Yeah. Well, that's great. And another little addition to our undertones loving in this, uh, this episode. So um, that's great stuff. Right, we're having a quick look at uh, some more of my best of 2022, which you can check out at retromanblog.com. Um, some of my compilations included um, the Corettes and Back in Mono, and uh, there was a Soundtrack of Our Lives re-released Homo Habilis Blues EP on vinyl. That was great. And PJ Harvey's Demos, she released a whole series of the demos. Um, We've already touched on the undertones, but my number two compilation was um, Electrified by the Liminadas, which looked at all their career, including their pre-Liminadas band Le Ballas, which uh, were also fantastic. Um, and here's a track from the album. This is uh, the Liminadas and Funeral Baby.
the Limonadas from their electrified compilation and that was Funeral Baby. Well one of my singles of the year was uh, a bit of an unusual release, it's an official release by The Clash or The Clash's estate and it's uh, a version of Rock the Casbah with Rankin Roger of the Beat uh, doing his inimitable vocals, uh, it's, it's a real rare find and um, this was issued with a great cover by again Paul Slattery, my mate rock photographer Paul Slattery, beautiful picture of uh, Rankin Roger on the cover and here it is, this is The Clash, Rock the Casbah with Rankin Roger.
Clashes Rock the Casbah with ranking Roger for the Beats vocals. Uh, fantastic release. It's a, it's a great. That uh, works great really song. well, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. In fact, it's better than Mikey Dread at the controls. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- that was done in the day. I, I, that's that's really good. Yeah, it's great. And of course, the Beat um, toured with the, the Clash and um, got some great photos by rock photographer Paul Slattery of um, ranking Roger with uh, backstage with the Clash in in Paris. I think he, he said it's one of the best gigs he'd ever been to. Uh, and the cover of the single has got one of Paul's beautiful portraits of uh, Roger on the cover. It's it's well worth getting hold of. I think it's um, it's limited edition single, but I think you can still get hold of it. But it's it's a great great record. The beat it was a funny thing because um, the first two albums were quite successful, mm. and then the third album, which is my favourite, yeah. I think it's a special beat service. Yeah. I think it's called. It's got I Confess on it yeah. and Save It For Later. It's, I think it's their best album and the production's changed and it's not so Scar-based. Yeah. Uh, those singles, they all completely crashed and burned. They didn't get anything. Yeah. And then yeah. they did a cover of Can't Stand Losing You or yeah. something yeah. and they had a big hit. And Steve Wright on the radio said, what's wrong with bands these days? Can't they write their own songs anymore? <laughs> yeah. And I thought, yeah, they are. And yeah. they're recording them and they're brilliant, but yeah. you're not playing them. That's right. Yeah. Well, the Beat War, I think the Beat War was one of my favourite bands of that two tone era. I mean, I love the first Specials album, but I think the Beat to me were, were, were really my pick of that era. Oh, fantastic line. I love, I love the Beat. Yeah. yeah. I think they still sound, they don't sound so dated as some of the other bands of the time, you know, and I think um, just great songs, great message, great to hear Rankin Rogers' vocals against the Clash there. You know, it, it works perfectly. Did you ever tour with the Clash? Did you ever do you ever play with them? No, of course. No. And the Beat? Did you ever? No, we were done by that time. Yeah. I mean, the the Roaders talked about this, and Eddie Pillars talked about this. That the the Mod Revival came along probably six months before the Scar Revival, and the Scar Revival completely swamped the Mod Revival. Yeah. I mean, it was a hundred times more successful, literally. Yeah. And that was one of the. The, the sort of nails in the coffin and then there was the rockabilly revival that everyone forgets really oh god this yeah. is all yeah. prior to the new romantic sweeping away everything yeah. in, in late 81 yeah. so yeah. things changed very quickly then yeah you mentioned Rhoda yeah Body Snatchers yeah Rhoda Dacca the Body Snatchers again two-tone obviously we we know about the the, the multicultural multiracial side of the two-tone but also they gave us Pauline Black of the Selector yeah and and the Body Snatchers all girl great all girl band with Rhoda Dacken. It's nice you mentioned there because this year Rhoda's released uh, a few singles, a uh, series of singles with Pete McKee. I don't know if you know Pete McKee, the Sheffield based artist. Um, some fantastic covers designed by Pete McKee. Um, and they're great singles and you can click them all. And one of them was a version of David Bowie's The Man Who Sold the World. And uh, it's, a, it's a great record. It sounds good, looks good, and here it is.
and that was a great version of The Man Who Sold the World. Um, and you said you, you saw her do a, a Q&A She session. did a Q&A um, with Eddie and, and Terry Rawlings. It was about the fact that the, the, the Scar revival completely swamped the mm. mod revival. And um, I think the bands probably were, had, had a higher mm. quality across the board as well. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I don't want to get too contentious at this point. I'll save it for the book. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, great! That's, that's a great song. And, but she's um, a she's a yeah. she's a lovely person, and um, she's she's one of the good guys, I think. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that little run through of a few highlights of 2022. For the full rundown of our best um, combinations, live albums, and uh, best new albums and gigs and things of 2022, please check out retromanblog.com. And obviously, thank you very much, buddy. Good to see you again. <laughs> <laughs> and your kazoo. <laughs> We hope you had a good Christmas and uh, and have a good New Year. Mm. <laughs> right, and uh, well, how can I how can I now go on to this moment of solemn reflection okay. after you've just uh, okay, lost me with a kazoo? Okay, let's get into character. <laughs> so right, yeah. Well, um, obviously the, the the sad news um, came through that Terry Hall passed away. The specials, which was a, a big shock, you know. I mean. Um, yeah, obviously things you know when this comes up Wilco Johnson with his sort of cancer or Jet Black being older you know it's always sad news but it's not say unexpected sometimes but with Terry Hall that was a, a real bolt from the blue you know really sad news very unexpected well I'm the same age so yeah it did hit home yeah. quite hard um, 
so you know just follow his advice yeah. enjoy yourself it's later than you think yeah definitely well that's uh Good advice. So, uh, so thanks for listening, everybody. Check out retromanblog.com where we put a little feature on the uh, about the podcast. So, to play us out, this is the specials, and you're wondering now. Wonder